Welcome to Rationalist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your co-host, Morgan Wack, and I'm here with the intergalactic, Eddie Matthews. Hello, Earthling. <laughs> I don't know for viewers, it sounded like there was a pause, but it was just him laughing at his own joke before he told it <laughs> for about a minute. <laughs> Have you heard about these uh, these monoliths, Eddie? What do you think? Actually, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, aliens put one so close to my hometown, Atascadero, California. That was, uh, yeah, that was interesting. I hadn't actually heard about that until you texted me. And then I looked it up and was, was uh, let's just say, unsurprised by the results of that monolith. But, what do you um, mean? What happened to it, Morgan? A bunch of people went and pushed it down and said, America first, keep them aliens out of our, our country, <laughs> which is hopefully said in jest, but uh, from the video, it seems like more like inebriated truths, unfortunately, but uh, fair enough. These monoliths are stainless steel. It's like they're like 10, 10 foot high. Um, if anyone's seen 2001 Space Odyssey, it kind of, they kind of look like that, but skinnier um there's one that popped up yeah in Tascadero. there's one that popped up in like the middle of nowhere in utah and then one in romania like at the top of this mountain the utah one was pretty much the only legitimate one right where it had been there a couple years and people hadn't found it and then the other two were kind of copycats is my sense of of things are you saying that there's only one (laughs) i'm saying i'm saying only one is directly related to extraterrestrials (laughs) (laughs) Utah's your favorite state. Yeah, exactly. It's actually, yeah, I wonder if it, it was a, like a Mormon thing, some sign from Joseph yeah. Smith. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's part of the, um, um, wasn't, wasn't, didn't it, the angels give him like a book of Mormon? The Book of Mormon, wasn't it? Isn't that just yeah. the book? Yeah. But it was kind of gold, right? And some gold. I think there were uh, like uh, spec, what are they called? Scepters, some, some sort of, reading rocks involved i don't know we should not get into no. discussion about <laughs> mormon history this is not going to go well because it's been like <laughs> for a podcast that makes fun of mormonism <laughs> you can't get it right. we're here for all religions we tolerate all religions in our in our viewership as long as we get those ad dollars which we don't have but someday um so speaking of extraterrestrials there's the segue we wanted we actually put the we put the monoliths out there just to build up to that segue to our Fermi paradox <laughs> conclusion. It was I did go on a cross country road trip this summer and I did go through Utah. So. There you go. It was and all I marketing from the Central Coast, so that does too. I don't know. You must have done the Romanian one without. I did. Yeah, I figured that would throw them off the scent of the. It's like a you know serial killers like they in the movies they always solve the crime because it's like oh the first one was you know next door and then he went around and killed a bunch of people in other places that was essentially what happened yeah I, th- I just wanted to throw them off the trace with the romania monolith i feel like alien movies um you know they're always produced by hollywood people and so there's always americans making them. so there's always like a disproportionate amount of you know like, like hollywood all the time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? like giants yeah yeah what do you what do I you think like- is 
this what's your favorite alien movie then well what's the oh, signs signs is great i think signs is, is criminally underrated i love signs it gets a bad rap i know that it's not cool to like signs anymore but i still like it. <laughs> i don't even know if people even know the movie signs anymore i feel like it hasn't aged as well as it should have yeah i think um for our younger listeners if you're in gen z if you could reach out to us and 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 uh, tell us if you've seen the movie signs appreciate it text us on on the gram on insta insta on the twitter extraterrestrials (laughs) here we go sorry i messed up the segue the first time here we go what are we talking about today (laughs) we're going to talk about the fermi paradox which is just a really cool interesting uh idea basically it's nothing more than an idea but it's have you ever eddie have you ever looked up in the sky and seen all those stars and thought are we alone are we alone out here yeah well then that's we got an episode for you today because that's what we're talking about wait i have a question for you have you heard of (laughs) wikipedia.org i i haven't i haven't i've heard it's very reputable you can pull a lot of great sources (laughs) Well, yeah. So I looked up Fermi paradox, and they put together a nice little bullet point list here. Should I should I read it as a recap? Give it to me. The Fermi paradox, named after Italian American physicist Enrico Fermi, is the apparent contradiction between the lack of evidence for extraterrestrial civilizations and various high estimates for their probability, such as some optimistic estimates for the Drake equation. Okay, so I can give you a little bit of background. I'm a big fan of this type of science because it's speculative and it doesn't actually require, if you actually look at the Drake equation, it's like basics, basic multiplication. So it doesn't require- Where you get into your nerd math. Okay, okay, fine. I have some bullet points. Okay, all right. Some facts from wikipedia.org, the page. And fans, if you wanna look this up yourself, just type in Fermi, F-E-R-M-I paradox uh, into Wikipedia. The following are some of the facts that together... Are you like a shill for Wikipedia now or what? What is this? Apparent contradiction. There are billions of stars in the Milky Way similar to the sun. With high probability, some of these stars have Earth-like planets. Many of these stars, and hence their planets, are much older than the sun. If the Earth is typical, some may have developed intelligent life long ago. Some of these civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step humans are investigating now. With Space Force. I like how they specified that humans are investigating as if the aliens would be investigating as well. Like, why don't we exist? <laughs> What's going on here? With which our Congress allocated $9.8 billion to this year to Space Force. Not that we have anything else to uh, fund right now. For listeners, Eddie's super anti-Space Force. He's been on uh, multiple rants about uh, the impracticalities of Space Force. But uh... No, I just don't hear anybody <laughs> wondering. We're uh, you know, concerned about all of this money we're spending on Space Force. That doesn't seem to be a topic of con- conversation among uh, one political party in this country. Some of these civilizations may have developed interstellar travel, a step humans are investigating now. Even at the slow pace of currently envisioned interstellar travel, the Milky Way galaxy could be completely traversed in a few million years. And since many of the stars similar to the sun are billions of years older, the earth should have already been visited by extraterrestrial civilizations or at least their probes. (laughs) However, there's no convincing evidence that this has happened. All right, Morgan, take it away. 
Okay, so the reason that the, the Fermi paradox and the Drake equation is interesting is because it, it really, I think people associate it with the conspiratorial side of kind of interest in extraterrestrials, which is you know more about uh, do they exist? Is there a cover up? This is a genuine kind of mathematical attempt to figure out why there aren't extraterrestrials or why we haven't seen extraterrestrials. So the, the interesting part about the, the start of this is that just like today, study of extraterrestrials is kind of seen as something far out or not necessarily in tune with mainstream science. The funny thing is the, the story of how this kind of became mainstreamed is Enrico Fermi, who was actually one of the pioneers of the atomic bomb, was sitting around one day with his buddies and they were like taking a load off from creating the atomic bomb and just kind of shooting the shit at lunch. The, the irony, I wonder if he understood <laughs> the irony of his own paradox, but sorry. Seriously. So basically, yeah, it was literally during lunch and he was talking to his friends and somebody was like, ah, aliens. And he was like, wait a second, why aren't there aliens? And they were like, uh, I don't know. And he sat down and kind of wrote out a few of the basics um, as to what he believed, why, why there wouldn't be aliens. And so kind of gave it a, a more uh, front seeing view, at least a, a better name. And so Drake came along, who's another scientist, and they were supposed to meet to discuss Fermi's idea. And he said, okay, well, if we're going to figure out, is it actually a paradox? We need to figure out how many we should see if like based on everything that we know about the universe. And so he came up with an equation, which is very simple. It's literally just multiplication. And so the, the equation is basically the number of civilizations in our galaxy should be equal to the average rate of star formation, the fraction of those stars that have planets, the average number of planets that can potentially support life per star, and the fraction, of, or, uh, the fraction of planets that life could actually develop into intelligent life, the fraction of civilizations that develop technology that releases detectable signals, and the length of time for which civilizations release detectable signals. So it's essentially taking everything you know. If there are a certain number of planets per star, we can see all the stars. Well, not all the stars, but quite a few. We know how many of them are likely to have planets. We know how many of those planets are likely to foster life, how many of them are likely to develop into intelligent life. We should be able to come up with some estimate of how many intelligent civilizations there should be. And so with the most recent data on what we have on planets and the development of uh, planets around stars, how many planets are in the Goldilocks zone, which means they have you know, the right amount of um, closeness to the star, the right amount of energy to develop proteins. There should be about 15 million intelligent, um, intelligent civilizations just in the Milky Way. And that's using fairly conservative estimates. So out of this comes the question, you know, if this really is, where is our math off is essentially the problem. Is, is it a math problem? Do we just have one of these numbers completely off and it's much less likely? Or is there something coming in the future that actually keeps civilizations like ours? Are we one of many civilizations to become intelligent that then are unable to expand and become detectable in the universe? So this is the basic idea for great filters and the Fermi paradox. Nice. And uh, after he wrote that equation, he wrote, if you're reading this, it's too late, his 2015 mixtape. Nice. Sure. I, I get it. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, he became a rapper. Um, he decided it wasn't worth it. Uh... The reason he chose that title, if you're reading this, it's too late. He was talking about humanity coming to the brink of the great filter. You want to talk about the great filters? Sure. Okay, so the great filter is the idea, if there are so many 
potential civilizations. If every habitable planet in the Goldilocks zone could potentially become intelligent and could potentially communicate with people like us, with civilizations like ours, there must be some point in this chain of development that is much more difficult than we think. I have a question for you really quick. Yes, the student if with the curly hair in the back. If there was intelligent life in the universe and they did reach out and make contact with Earth, do you think those extraterrestrials would listen to this podcast? <laughs> they probably already do. Who's to say that they aren't already listening to this podcast immediately? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can get into some hypotheticals here in a second because there's a lot of philosophy that comes from just the uncertainty of it all. Yeah, but the, the great filter. I, so um, you sent me a few YouTube videos to watch mm. by, what's the guy's name? Kyrgyzats. I think it means in a nutshell in German. I'm probably pronouncing it terribly wrong. Great videos, but uh, they have a couple on, on the great filter and the Fermi paradox. And so there was this kind of idea, right? Where the great filter, it's like, is it behind us or is it in front of us? Mm-hmm. It was the great filter, you know, mitosis. One, one cell splitting into two. And the fact that like just mitosis just doesn't happen on any other planet in the whole known universe. So it just happened to happen here and we got lucky. And then, then uh, one thing led to another and now we're on a podcast, you know, and f- from hunter gatherers that we were. Um, or I can, run, I can run through all the, the ones that are prior to us, if you want, the main ones. The main, what they the think. Main, the great filters that could have been behind us. Yeah. Right. That basically it filters out all life from happening. So right? from that view, if the great filter, if you believe in the great filter theory and you think that it happened already, we've already passed it. You yeah. would be saying that we're much more rare than you would think based on the number of stars. If, if it actually is very unlikely that intelligent life grows up on planets due to one of these other factors, you're saying that humans are very rare. And that would be great because it would mean we've made it to a point where we're one of the first the problem we'll get into, the, the challenge with if the great filter is ahead of us is very disturbing. And so that's what people are worried about. So it would actually be better. The fact that we don't see lots of evidence of basic life in our uh, solar system is actually a very good sign for the long-term longevity of humanity. So, so a couple of the great filters that are prior to us are the right star system. So we can talk about this a bit. I actually think this is much, is a great candidate for being a great filter. The fact that Jupiter actually kind of its gravity, it's very rare to have a large gas planet so close to a Goldilocks zone. And Jupiter actually takes a lot of comets and meteors that would hit Earth and kind of flings them out of our orbit. It's a kind of, they call it a protector of the inner solar system. Actually super rare. Um, there's also a lot of things like the size of the star, our, the stability of our solar system is actually pretty rare as well. So I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, pro right habitable system. We got it going on here in the solar system. Uh, the next one would be reproductive molecules. So the development of actual like small molecules, then simple procreatic cell life. So the development of actual cells that could have been much more challenging. Don't know as much about this biology. So I can't really, I don't have a sense about this, but seems like going from no life to life would be a big one. Every time I, I read about this, people are like, oh, that, that should happen if there's enough protein. I don't really get that. seems like that would be hard as well. Then you, you talked about it, the development from single celled organisms to multi-celled organisms. That could be another one. The idea of sexual reproduction, multi-cell life, then the development of intelligent life, and then the ability to communicate with other galaxies. So those are all the great filters that we have passed that could be holding up other civilizations. Do you have a favorite? 
I don't know if we've passed the ability to communicate with other galaxies. We? Well, we've at least we at least have the technology. It's slow, yeah. But if other like other civilizations had our technology, even if they didn't have anything more advanced, there's a chance with the basic math that we have that we would have heard from them with radio waves or something like that. So we definitely don't have the best tech, but we have tech. We can at least reach out to other civilizations. Okay. So that's right. But it could be it could true. It could be that we don't have the, you know some sort of it could be a different form of communication. So one of the ideas is we're just using radio waves and like aliens don't listen to the radio. Yeah. Or we don't, we're not listening to the right frequency or whatever it is that they're communicating on. So that's one idea. Um, do you have a favorite of the pre-humanity filters? Uh, no, they all seem equally impossible to me, but we did it. <laughs> Go us. So, and as far as the filters ahead of us, that's just entirely speculation, right? So, okay. So let's, let's stay on the, the filters behind us first really quickly. Okay. One of the things that I think, I think people's first instinct is to say humans aren't unique. There are lots of civilizations. The fact we haven't found them is something to do with us. If you actually listen to a lot of like physicists and people that actually know what they're talking about, unlike which us, I do, which I do, as Eddie does, a lot of them actually think that we could be one of the first based on a lot of pre-humanity evidence. I think one of the main ones, the one that sticks out to me as being uh, something that it goes under discussed is how chaotic the universe was for the first like 3 billion years. Everyone always says, oh, it's 5 billion years old. We've only been on for a fraction of it. What are the chances that there weren't civilizations for you know forever? The beginning of the universe, and by the beginning, I mean basically for 60% of its entire existence was chaos. It was explosions. It was comets everywhere. It was irradiating stars. It was not the type of environment where life would find very hospitable, at least intelligent, advanced, intelligent bi biological life. And so I do think that that is something that goes overlooked where even though the universe is incredibly old and it's very hard to conceive how old it is, actual habitable circumstances within the universe are not nearly as drastic as they're shown to be. Yeah, I think that's sound reasoning. Um, so what filters are ahead of us? Well, like you said, speculation, but it could be that getting to where we are now is about as hard as we think. You know, it's hard, but not impossible. If you're in the Goldilocks zone, you have a chance. You got proteins. They can develop into multicellular life. Maybe it takes a little longer. Maybe it takes a little less long, but it could be. So, so I think the example, going back to the atomic bomb, there was calculations done by, I, Oppenheimer, I can't remember who exactly did the calculations, but essentially there was about a 5% chance in their calculations that atomic decay would occur when they set off the first atomic bomb, which was basically like a chain reaction with um, all the other atoms in the solar system. And there was a chance the, that- the, the, Like the brazenness yeah. of this team. Yeah. So mind boggling. Yeah. And so essentially like there was like a chance. It wasn't a large chance. It must've been, it was less than 5%, but it was like legitimately on the scale. It wasn't less than 1%. And there was like, yeah, maybe if we mess this up slightly, like there's a chain reaction in the entire- so like the entire, at least the entire Earth's atmosphere just like goes up in fire of atomic chain reactions and we all die. No, and I so <laughs> I think that's a good way to think of the impending great filters. It could be that some sort of technology like that, that we don't necessarily know how to use, that's very abundant in the galaxy, something to do with hydrogen or oxygen or nitrogen is a chain reaction or possibly maybe the development of artificial intelligence is one of the things that's been proposed, nanotechnology. 
some sort of technology that lots of civilizations are drawn to because of the, the ubiquity of it, that they're able to say that they then use that destroys the civilization. So it could just be, there's a cultural explanation of a great filter, which is, so those would be like technological explanations. There's cultural explanations, which is any civilization that has the drive or the instinct to grow and expand also has the instinct to destroy itself. It could be that once you have such advanced technology that everyone has the capability of, you know, having an atomic bomb in their backyard, one in the billions of people on earth like is dumb enough to set it off. Exactly. And so it could just be that we in civilizations that are intelligent enough to create destruction end up destroying themselves. That's one of the hypotheses. Another one is kind of the um, climate change uh, resource dependent hypothesis, which is that as people become more intelligent and more advanced, they use up all the resources on their own planet and they're unable to reach another planet to sustain themselves due to just the sheer size of the universe. So these are kind of the economic, social, cultural, uh, technological great filters ahead of us. The more exciting ones are something like if there's an alien force out there, the reason, you know, you've all heard, the reason why we don't call out, the only thing more, like more dangerous or scarier than hearing nothing when we yell into the void is hearing something in return. And so this was actually Stephen Hawking was actually really, he wrote a letter to, um, to the, the US government who was sending stuff into space, all these resources and, and communications saying basically like, we don't know what's out there. The fact that we haven't heard anything is probably a reason not to say anything. Uh, you know, what's the chances if there's 15 million civilizations that all of them are benevolent yeah. and the fact that we'll probably be the less advanced civilization if we do end up talking to someone, they'll be the not ones that find anything us. To say about it. True. Not if not if this podcast gets some listens and people bone up on their their knowledge of the universe. But so that's that's a terrifying one. I I, think, I remember reading in a science fiction story there was a this uh, basically this little this chapter about a civilization that basically wanted to fend off potential challengers. So they they had all the resources, and so they basically just had ships flying around all the time. And anytime they heard anything from any planets that were remotely intelligent, they would just, you know, blow them up like it was routine, just continue on. Right. And so it's possible. I mean, if there's 15 million civilizations out there, it could be that one of them has just so advanced and so malevolent that people don't communicate because they're afraid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's another one more exciting and better for science fiction, but uh, that's another possibility is that we don't want to be communicating with these, these uh, civilizations. Yeah. And it's really interesting in terms of if we were to be one of those planets that's just like blown up out of self-defense because that civilization is just way more intelligent than us like they would probably look at us like we look at lobsters yeah right and so it's like well i mean they're kind of sentient but are they really you know and then so it doesn't doesn't really you know come across as evil to them to uh eradicate us yeah so that'd be a bummer it would be that's why a lot of people think like yeah even if, if intelligent life if we were to come in contact it would be insanely hard to communicate it would be like us trying to talk to you know apes and monkeys like they're intelligent but it's just a different <laughs> we're not even on the same wavelength and so yeah it's, it's unfortunate for science fiction films because it wouldn't be a very great movie if the aliens can't we just couldn't communicate and then <laughs> ended but uh, that's yeah. actually much more likely than than people give credit for but i don't know what do you think eddie what what is your just from a non-scientific point which 
viewpoint reaches out to you? Are humans like super unique? Are there just less than we thought? Are there, is it, are we just incapable? We can't find these people because they don't want to find us or we don't have the technological capacity. What do you, what are you thinking? Oh, I thought you were going to say, what's my, how do I think the world's going to end if the great filter <laughs> is ahead of us? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there as well. Uh, it was something that I never thought of with the Fermi paradox until watching the, the videos that you sent me were, um, was the idea that maybe there have been other civilizations, but they like reached a point, they reached their own great filter and it destroyed it, it all. And like, there's now no life for them to communicate to us with, you know? Yeah, that's, that's why they say it's actually a good sign that we don't see like lots of life anywhere or like the remnants, like the worst thing we can find is like a really advanced civilization that's just extinct. That would be a very bad sign. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess for me, it just seems like the, the most straightforward answer that we have based on the evidence that we have is that there isn't any... Like, I think they've like technically found like primordial life on Mars, but there's not any like, you know, multi-cell organisms on any other planet in the universe that we have, you know, that we have access to. Um, and it must be that we, that the development of life is much more complicated than we, than we give it credit for, even though that we, we give a lot of credit to its complication currently, you know, but maybe maybe it's just a weird it was like weird timing like luck maybe there was just so much luck involved with this particular planet at the particular time that life occurred you know i don't know i i tend to agree i think there probably is some form of life out there far away i think people don't give enough credit to just how vast the universe is. <laughs> like even yeah. with our communication yeah. technology, we're reaching like, not, you can look at a map. Like we essentially, they would have to be within, it would be like if you went outside and your next door neighbor was home and then the rest of the world was empty. We would have to be that person for our current communication technologies to be able to tell if somebody was there. Yeah. And so I think the tech, we kind of expect the communications technology in particular to continue to grow exponentially. Whereas the laws of the universe don't really allow that to happen. Like you can't really travel that much faster than the speed of light. So it's, it's just, even at the speed of light, the universe is so big that that's a complication. But I do, I do agree that I think we take for granted the luck that we've had in getting here, which is a good thing. I mean, yeah, hopefully we, it's not in front of us and the great filter is something coming. Uh, but if it is, what do you think it would be most likely to be? What would be, what's your inkling on how humanity could, could come to an end? Um, I kind of think AI is more likely than climate change, but it could be a combination of those, <laughs> which is scary. <laughs> I just think I, I just think that I heard this report that Facebook had um, you know invented an AI to write code for them. And then they like looked and were like watching the AI and it's it created its own language to communicate with itself or like with other AI. And then so they shut it down and that's terrifying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
So um, I don't know. I think with, I feel like there is um, a lot of motivation. I think there's a lot of really, really talented and really, really intelligent engineers who are really good at making and optimizing products and making money. And those engineers are not good about thinking about philosophical or ethical questions. And so they just proceed and, you know, nobody who has any power to like regulate these people are uh, knowledgeable enough about the technology to regulate them. And so I think that all that to say, people will invent AI. I mean, obviously we already have AI, but like they'll invent better and better and better and better AI that will make them more and more and more and more money. And I think we're going to reach a point where that's going to get dangerous. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think for sure that the great filters ahead of us and that's definitely AI, but I think there's going to be some weird stuff ahead with AI that could potentially threaten, you know, our grasp on uh, the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be, it could be. Not to sound apocalyptic. That's what we're here. We're here to overreact. That's what we do. (laughs) But you just think about that. Like there was a team of people that no one, you know, the whole world didn't get, get together and agree that this, um, what was the group called? Oppenheimer's atomic bomb group. Um, they had some name. (laughs) The, The atomic boys. Yeah, it's not like the whole world got together and agreed, yeah, like let's let this group of people invent this bomb that could that has a five percent chance of <laughs> destroying yeah. all life on this planet. That sounds like a good idea. It's like, no, this group just went ahead and did it and you know, without permission and and then just proceeded on their merry way. So I think the fact that you cannot control and that there's no like cooperation really between countries as this technology becomes more and more available, it just doesn't bode well, you know? Yeah. I would, it reminds me of the movie arrival. I would point people towards that as a good science fiction uh, departure. Yeah. The lack of communication between civilizations as a possible, possible issue. Yeah. Can you imagine how boring that movie would have been if they never figured out the alien language? <laughs> They're like, oh, shit. Well, <laughs> that's, that's the a- end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. What do you think? K-pop. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to edit that out. Oh, that's good. Uh, no, what do you think about the Fermi paradox? Do you think we're alone or... Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're, I think in the sense of, do I think that we've ever been like contacted? No, I don't think that at all. I do, I think that there are pause, like the universe is so big that I think that Yeah. it's hubris to think that we haven't found, like there isn't other life out there somewhere. But I think it also, when looking at the facts and looking at everything we do know, which is quite a lot now, it's also slightly naive to think, oh, we're one of many and they're right next door and they're all over. I think yeah. we have enough evidence now to, to at least highly, to make it highly unlikely that it's as common as we once thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, what do you think about the great filter? Do you think it's ahead of us? I hope not. I, uh, I don't think it is, but who knows? I mean, the thing about 
speculative future things that kill the whole earth as we don't expect you they would have to be so unexpected as for everyone to fall into that trap right right um, that's that's one thing that that gives me hope about the ai problem is that how many like dozens of movies have we had already where it's like we invent an ai and it like starts to kill you us. go to a bunch of other alien planets they're just wastelands and it's like they have all these movies of like <laughs> how it happened <laughs> and that's where the screeners got the idea uh-huh <laughs> uh so we it would be pretty silly if we fell for that <laughs> when we you know have all grown up with these stupid movies you know? so one of my favorite explanations is that there's an implicit um bias that if intelligence if aliens became intelligent they would expand and kind of travel the universe then we would find them because they would eventually need to leave their planet there's an alternative theory by a russian scientist i can't remember his first name his last name is dyson and it's called the dyson sphere which is essentially like if you have the ability to retain like 90 percent of the energy of your star you really don't need to go anywhere you can pretty much power an entire civilization forever without having to worry about anything and so there's an idea is like maybe aliens are just super chill. <laughs> they just, they have their star energy. Nobody needs to work. They have simulations. They're just like, oh, plug me in and let me live a different life. And they just do that all day and they have a great Wait, time. Because yeah, that's in the video too. So explain that a little bit more. They basically created a structure that covers their sun and then utilizes its power. So to- it's speculation again. So essentially like super solar power. So the idea is like, what, what gives us our energy on earth? It's mostly from the sun, but it's like, we're, we're getting like one point, you know, 0.000001% of every, you know, every second of energy given off by our sun. That's like what we retain at the moment. It's essentially nothing. If you did have the capability, if you were advanced enough civilization, the idea is that you could just wrap the sun essentially in solar panels, more advanced solar panels and just capture the energy and direct it straight to your planet and you would have so much energy that you would really not have to worry about anything ever again. And so if that was the case, so my question is, if what type of alien civilization would you be? If you were the king of a civilization, you have this star power, would you create all these like fancy video games where you can live thousands of lives? Or would you like be like, screw that, I'm going off into the void to experience you know, the darkness of the universe and the unknown? Uh... I mean, if you were a civilization that sophisticated, why couldn't you do both? That's, that's the reason why most people don't believe that theory. It's because even if there was, you know, if there was 5 million people alone, it's just a very small civilization. Even if one of those people was like, screw this, I'm not going into the sim, I'm going into space. Yeah. With just the mass of time, eventually we would see evidence. So unlikely. But it could yeah. just be that aliens are mad chill. We don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're out there just... just having a great time playing video games yeah um yeah uh man it's like is there a purpose in space travel at all like (laughs) well we don't know because we (laughs) haven't been out there i think it's the thing about space I think there's two types of people. I think there are people that look into the vast emptiness and it makes them feel like better about their own circumstances. Like this is pretty crazy. Nothing. Are you plagiarizing this from interstellar? No, this is actually, I say interstellar stole this from uh, Carl Sagan with the blue dot speech. I think that's the original. And I'm sure, you know, there are civil, you know, thousands of 
human peoples that have looked up into the space and yeah, no, just kidding. things. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that you essentially, a lot of people look into space and think, well, that's, we're all alone. That's really sad. And some people think we're all alone. Like, let's make the most of it. I don't know. I, I think you kind of need to have both perspectives. I think the fact that we're all on our own should be partially scary. Like we need to do better. <laughs> like if we're the, or the civilization that the other, you know, nascent civilizations in the future yeah. are going to look to as a protector, then we're obviously not doing a great job. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it also gives you a sense of like, who knows what's out there, right? That's, that's the reason space exploration for me is so interesting and entertaining is that we don't know. It is literally the great unknown. Like there could be so, there's literally almost infinite possibilities of what's out there and we don't even know what's next door. There's just so many things. I, I think it's unlikely that during our lifetime we get beyond, you know, Jupiter, but still, I think it's something interesting and entertaining to take our life off the minutia of what happens on earth. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I just don't think there's that much minutia on earth. Like we don't even know what's in most of the ocean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, that's, I did see that they found a new species of whale the other day, which I was pretty impressed by. I was like, okay, that's pretty big. Cause most of the time it's like, uh, I feel like they over-exaggerate like the depths of the ocean. Like nobody knows what's down there. It's like, okay, we have cameras and stuff. It's not like there's a civilization or something. Like most likely it's just like a couple fish, but uh, yeah. Are you, are you teeing up our Atlantis episode? <laughs> I am. I have, uh, next time on Rational. <laughs> yeah, but I know we should have somebody come on because I know much less about the oceans than I do about space. Uh, yeah. So we should have, if somebody out there is like a huge ocean fanatic, loves water, you have any aquatic fans, let us know because I'd, I'd be very down to listen to some of that. I guess it's kind of like... Prove me wrong that the uh, sky beats ocean because uh, I'm definitely on team space. I think I'm on team ocean just for the simple fact of like, why? I don't know. It seems like climate change is a really, really big problem. And it's like, man, why don't we just like focus on that right now, NASA? <laughs> like NASA, can you not just? Focus? I didn't know you were so anti-space, man. Like, uh... I'm not anti-space. I'm just kind of like, what? What do we have to gain? Let's send, yeah, let's send some some droids out there and like check out some. I will know, agree that space some black holes and stuff. Militarization That's is not exactly what we should be spending money on in space. It's okay, here's this whole new frontier for battle. That's essentially what Space Force is. I am obviously against that. I think that's a terrible idea. Until next time, folks. Hopefully you'll be with us. Adios, Goodbye. rational listeners. Goodbye, Earthlings. <laughs> <laughs>